Good morning. Okay, we can start our practice. Please sit comfortably and try to keep your back straight as much as possible. And gently close your eyes if you like. Take a few deep, long breaths. Breathe in through your nose and breathe out through your mouth. Do it a couple of times. To relax your body, let go of tension. You all are here in this beautiful morning with a good intention to practice loving-kindness towards oneself and towards others. Make sure you use this time meaningful way with good intent because the intention is very important when it comes to practice. Have a good intention to use the time meaningful ways. The foundation of our practice is loving-kindness. Developing love, kindness, compassion within ourselves. Once you have that, it will be easier to spread that love and compassion towards others. But sometimes we have a difficulty of developing love and compassion towards and within ourselves. Because not like may you feel, may you experience things, or maybe where you look, how you feel. If you have those feelings, try to let go of those feelings. And imagine somebody in your life that you love the most. It could be your child or your grandchild, your partner, your husband, your wife. Anybody you love the most in your life. 
when you think about this person imagine the the feelings the emotions that you have in your heart when you think about them that's how you should feel about yourself when you develop love and compassion within yourself have the same love and compassion within yourself and towards yourself thinking thus may i be well may i be happy may i be peaceful may i be well may i be happy may i be peaceful may i be well may i be happy may i be peaceful Now send your loving and kind thoughts towards your family members, your close relatives, your friends. Think about them individually if you like. And send your loving and kind thoughts towards them. May all of my family members and friends be well be happy be peaceful May my family members and friends be well be happy be peaceful May my family members and friends be well be happy be peaceful Sometimes you may have a family members or friends that is hard to get along with If you have someone in your life that is hard to get along with or you probably had a past experience or you probably don't like the way they talk to you where they treat you 
if you have someone in your life please understand we all are human beings we all make mistakes forgiveness is not for them forgiveness it's for you because you are the one who's carrying those emotions try to let go of those negative emotions and you can still send your loving and kind thoughts towards them Finally send your loving and kind thoughts towards all living beings human beings non-human beings people who are suffering without food without shelter from a natural disasters we can at least send our loving and kind thoughts towards them may all living beings be well be happy be peaceful may all living beings be well be happy be peaceful may all living beings be well be happy be peaceful now all of you with hearts and minds full of love and compassion within oneself and towards others we can slowly start our mindfulness meditation start focusing on our breathing during the practice if you feel uncomfortable if you want to change your posture make sure you change it mindfully and during this practice and aware of every movements that you make 
be mindful of every second now gently start focusing on your breathing without forcing you to breathe slowly start your attention to your inhale and exhale understand when you breathe in that you are breathing in when you breathe out you breathe out When you start to focus on your breathing each and every inhale and exhale you will start to feel a subtle sensation maybe from your upper lips maybe inside your nostril or maybe back of your throat or down in the belly as it arises with inhale and falls away with exhale wherever you feel that subtle sensation start to focus in on that part of your body if you don't feel it don't try to force it and start paying attention to your inhale and exhale you will eventually feel the sensation let it happen naturally your breathing and your job is to focus on your breathing inhale and exhale while you doing this you can get distracted by your thoughts or feeling or emotions whenever you get distracted gently bring your attention back to focus on your breathing
Are you in the present moment? Or is your mind wandering? If you have a mind, you will always have thoughts. We cannot stop our mind from having thoughts. Our job is to observe the mind and see the thoughts as they are and bring our attention back to focusing on our breathing. Then that thought will pass and there will be another one. Each and every time this happens, acknowledge that you get distracted and gently bring your attention back and allow your breathing to bring you to present moment.
Please bring your palms together in front of your heart. Make a strong determination to practice this meditation every day, even for a short time. May no harm come to you, may no difficulties come to you. May all of you be well, happy and peaceful. Thank you very much and please open your eyes. Okay, we can do uh, the chanting. I uh, start with page four. Namo tassa bhagavato arhato Samma Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arhato Samma Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Samma Sambuddhasa Buddhang Saranang Gachami Dhammang Saranang Gachami Sangang Saranang Gachami Dutiyampi buddhang saranang gachami Dutiyampi dhammang saranang gachami Dutiyampi sangang saranang gachami Tatiyampi buddhang saranang gachami Tatiyampi dhammang saranang gachami Tatiyampi sangang saranang gachami Chavata Sankara Upadvaya Dhammino Upajitva Nirujjanti Te Sang Upasamosukho Sabbe Satta Hontu Sabbe Satta Paja Hontu Sabbe Satta Anga Hontu 
sabbe satta sukhi atthanam pariharantu mano pubbangamadamma mano setta mano maya manasache padutthena basati va karoti va thato nang dukkha manveti chakkang vahato padam mano pubbangamadamma mano setta mano maya manasa pasannena vasati va karoti va tato nang sukha manveti chayav anapaini mind is the forerun of all states We believe in generosity. my wish again did did everybody have a good practice some of them shake their heads or probably didn't have it so. well too late now if you didn't have one 
So um, today's uh, the talk is going to be given by the Dev. Um, so he's here regularly. Uh, he usually come an hour earlier before the meditation, and he meditate. Uh, I don't have his regular place today, don't you? Usually on the mat. So uh, the Dev is going to give us the Dhamma talk. So thank you. Can you all hear me? Yes. Good morning. It's so nice to see you all here this morning. <clears throat> the 19th century literary giant Leo Tolstoy, in a collection of parables published in 1885, wrote about a king searching for answers to fundamental questions. Encountering a wise forest hermit, the king posed a question. When is the right time to do the right thing? And when is the best time to do each thing? To which the hermit replied, remember then, there is only one time that is important, now. It is the most important time because it is the only time when we have any power. It might seem curious to invoke Tolstoy to illustrate a Dhamma discussion. After all, Tolstoy was a Christian, and I can find only one reference of him even thinking about Buddhism. That being something he found in the writings of the philosopher Arthur Schopenhauer, who remarked on the advantage of ascetic renunciation in various traditions as a prerequisite to holiness. Of particular interest to Tolstoy was a well-known line from Matthew. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But Tolstoy also seemed to have been inspired by the Buddha, who, born a prince, chose renunciation. Tolstoy, himself born into nobility, also chose a path of voluntary poverty in his spiritual journey. So I came across this quote, and I could not help but hear the Dhamma in those words. I'm never surprised when this happens because the Dhamma describes all things, and all things unfold in the Dhamma. Especially, I think, in art. In, in my estimation, art is bursting with Dhamma. Well, that response by the hermit to Tolstoy's parable seemed to point to a fundamental aspect of this practice of ours, that of importance of mindfulness in the present moment. But I found that in my mindfulness practice, being fully present in the now is sometimes easier said than done. Instead, what I often find is that the perpetual pull of the past and the push into the future have a power of their own, which can be hard to resist. While somewhat discouraging, this realization also seemed to me to point to an invitation to examine my practice, to come up with some questions of my own, and to search for answers in the Dhamma. My first question was, what is mindfulness? 
That seemed like it should be an easy one to answer, but I admit to using this word much more often than considering its actual meaning. Its origin, the Pali word sati, is most often translated as mindfulness. But its literal translation is what we need to remember to keep in mind. This is encouraging because it seems to acknowledge the nature of the wandering mind and offers a solution. That of remembering what to keep in mind, like the present moment and the noble intentions of my practice. Of course, the hope is that with continual application of the solution, the mind becomes more naturally inclined to reside in the present moment with the need for less and less correction. But clearly, this is work that requires diligence and patience. My second question was, what is meant by power? In Tolstoy's words, now is the most important time because it is the only time when we have any power. I'm not a power-hungry person. I'm sure I already spend too much time doing and not enough time being. But with this quote in mind, I see what I think are two distinct kinds of power. First, there is the power that's represented in the past and the future. That power, as I see it, acts as an influence upon us. Regarding the past, we are naturally drawn to memories, reliving the good and the bad, oftentimes over and over. Likewise, the projection into the future can seem irresistible. Continually planning or anticipating, either with joy or with fear, all that we hope for or that we dread. Here is where I think Tolstoy's words come alive. In the power dynamic of the past and the future, we are acted upon by power. In those places, we really don't have agency. We are not in charge. Rather, what I think he points to is the power that we actually possess and the space in which that power is available now. This acknowledges that our lives are lived and shaped in the present. Having accepted the importance and power of the present moment, I was left with deciding how to exercise this power. I wanted for my thoughts, words, and actions to be useful as much as possible, to take advantage of the gift of each moment. I wanted for this effort to be effective. Dhamma practice has many benefits. Among these are tranquility and peace that deep relaxation that is possible when we stop all the doing and settle our body and mind. But what is more, so much more, are the transformational possibilities born from intentional, regular, dedicated practice. I'm referring to insight. That experiential discovery of truth, that beacon of understanding shining its light into the dark places. Here I consider another gem from Tolstoy who wrote, The hero of my tale, whom I love with all the power of my soul, whom I have tried to portray in all his beauty, who has been, is, and always will be beautiful, is truth. I think it's this truth that insight reveals. Indeed, one translation of the word Dhamma is 
truth. After all, there is what we want, there is what we want to be rid of, and there is all the stuff that confuses us, but then there is what is simply true. This is why I am a Dhamma practitioner. I seek to understand truth, not just intellectually. I seek to know in a manner that is penetrating, experiential, and transformational. I seek to know the nature of the reality of which I am part. Considering my own practice, I have a great distance yet to travel along this path, but I believe that insight is available all along the way. I have learned, I have learned things that have changed me. One test, I think, to determine if an aspect of understanding can be considered insight is if it can be undone. I mean to say that if a realization changes us in a way that it marks a before time and an after time, meaning we were one way before and now we are somehow different, an insight can be big or small, it may be something that only you even know happened, actually, it probably will be, but it will always mark a point of transformation. I'm going to offer an intimidating synonym for insight. It's a word with some baggage that I think should never be used in regard to oneself. That word is wisdom. Ours is a wisdom practice. But it's tricky because no one can pass along their wisdom to us. And we cannot acquire wisdom just from study or even necessarily from hard work. Insight and wisdom flower from the fertile soil of supportive conditions. I believe that power, I believe that this power we have in mindfulness of the present moment is in setting forth the favorable conditions with have potential to establish the circumstances where the beautiful flowers of insight and wisdom might grow. So by now you're probably wishing I'd get to the point and name the practices I have in mind. Well, I will, and I think you might be relieved to learn that they're familiar and that they're probably already part of your practice. Perhaps you have experienced their power as I have, or maybe you have yet to employ them to their fullest extent. Maybe you start and stop and get sidetracked in your practice as I have done, or you dilute or the practices with a cafeteria approach to spiritual growth, as I have done. I'm not in a position to judge another spiritual adventure. I can only speak from my own experience. The practices of which I speak are those contained in the threefold training. This, as implied, consists of three components. In Pali and English, they are sila, or ethics, Samadhi, or concentration, and Pana, or wisdom. These three aspects work together. Progress in one aids progress in the others. So one most skillfully engages with all three simultaneously rather than in sequence. Sila, the first aspect of the threefold training, is commonly translated as morality or ethics. This, as I see it in my practice, is the discipline component. My main guide for Sila are the precepts we take here each year in October. 
I strive to think, speak, and act in accordance with these precepts. I refrain from causing harm. I refrain from taking what is not freely given. I refrain from sexual misconduct. I refrain from false or divisive speech. And I refrain from alcohol and other intoxicants. Guidance is also offered in the ethical steps of the Noble Eightfold Path. I strive to practice wise speech, wise action, and wise livelihood. I think of of the sila aspect of the threefold training as the discipline section because for me it requires effort and sometimes runs against my inclinations. Sometimes I don't want to be ethical. One temptation I confront is gossip or divisive complaining, particularly in my workplace. But this is natural, right? Everyone does it, so how harmful could it be? Well, as an example, I witness people in my office who speak in a friendly manner to colleagues on the phone, then hang up and insult or degrade them. This not only harms the reputation of the person being insulted, but harms the person doing the insulting. And I'm not just talking about an esoteric karmic retribution, however that works. I'm thinking about the people who witness this duplicity. How could they trust a person who behaves this way? And how could the insulter themselves trust others if they think their behavior is normal? But I confess to having behaved this way myself and sometimes I still feel this temptation. So sila is how we behave and understanding that our thoughts, words, and actions have consequences. One troublesome aspect of ethical failing can be our incapacity to concentrate during meditation. Everyone has struggled with monkey mind. This distracted state is most often caused by the presence of one or more of the five hindrances. Desire, aversion, sloth and torpor, restlessness and worry, and doubt. These distractions, or defilements as they are also called, are likely rooted in our behavior off the cushion or chair. And their presence can confound our (coughs) spiritual progress. The second aspect of the threefold training is samadhi which is most commonly translated as concentration. Samadhi is represented in the Noble Eightfold Path as wise effort, wise concentration, and wise mindfulness. I had assumed that samadhi, like sila, required discipline and lots of it. I think it's that word concentration. To me, it implies scrunching up my face or my mind like Popeye and bearing down on the object of my meditation but I've come to understand samadhi in a different way. Instead of contracting and constricting my mind, my intentions now turn towards settling my mind and collecting my mind. This, I find, is the much more peaceful activity of gently gathering the various pieces of my awareness, as far-flung as they may be, and guiding them back to where they can attend to an aspect of my consideration such as the lovely practices we shared here this morning. But there are a wide variety of meditative practices we can choose, both on and off the cushion or chair. 
Samadhi and its best friend, sati, or mindfulness, are not just for formal practice. Just as sila or morality isn't just for special occasions, we can infuse our every waking moment with collected awareness and present moment mindfulness. The former elevating our, alleviating our distractedness and the latter expanding our perceptiveness. There are on the cushion or chair practices like loving kindness, devotional chanting, awareness of the breath, contemplation of the establishments of mindfulness, and many more. There are off the cushion or chair practices like, again, loving kindness, walking meditation, perhaps in nature, awareness of the body, various breathing exercises, and on and on. The third aspect of the threefold training is pana, which is most commonly translated as insight or wisdom. Pana is represented in the Noble Eightfold Path as wise intention and wise view. This aspect of the threefold training, I think, isn't really something we do per se, at least not directly. I offered earlier that no one can pass along their wisdom and that we cannot acquire it just by study or hard work. Just as we cannot force a flower or, butterf or butterfly to grow, we cannot force insight. There are conditions that must be present for a flower or butterfly to grow naturally. Stretching a seedling or peeling open a crystallis will destroy it. This process must unfold on its own and is dependent upon the support of just the right environment and nutrients. While Pana, insight or wisdom, grows from the noble intentions of sila and samadhi, it seems clear to me that Pana isn't just the culmination of the training, but contributes again to the increased clarity and calm that is reflected in sila, enabling and strengthening our ethics and morality. Then, Pana is reflected in Samadhi, enabling and strengthening our ability to settle and collect our minds during formal and informal practice. This wholesome, virtuous cycle with the newly heightened Sila and Samadhi, further enabling and strengthening Pana, thus a beautiful feedback loop of escalating spiritual progress might be formed. This, my friends, has been a reflection of my current practice. Composing these words and sharing this with you has been a great gift to me. Assembling thoughts in preparation for presentation to others takes a different kind of attention than merely holding them for oneself. This process has helped me and I hope in some way has been a benefit to you. Thank you for your kind attention here today, and I wish you great progress in your spiritual adventure. But before we close, I'd like to offer a final word from Leo Tolstoy, who wrote the following. If then I were asked for the most important advice I could give, that which I consider to be the most useful, I should simply say, stop a moment Cease your work. Look around you. Thanks so much. <laughs>